0: Listen, people are watching you, whether you realize it or not. In fact, the bigger your platform is, the less control you have over knowing who knows you and who is watching you. And so the question becomes, what do you do with that? Well, what I would encourage you to do is own that responsibility of being an example. Own it. Be an example. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 159. What's up, everyone? and Welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company devoted to helping you become the best leader that you can be. If you're new to the podcast, just know that we're committed to bring you three or four episodes every single month to help you grow and develop as a leader. One will always be from our leadership events that we host. One will be an interview that I do with a high-level leader. And then once a month, you'll get a personal leadership lesson by me. If you've been with us for a while and you're enjoying the podcast, I would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever you listen to podcasts through. It really does make a difference. And also just share on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, or wherever you're at. Uh, It really helps us get the word out. So uh, anything that you do, I really appreciate and I just thank you so much for listening. In today's episode, you're going to get to hear part three of a three-part series that I did on paying the price. If you weren't able to listen parts one and two, that's okay. This lesson could stand alone. Uh, But I would encourage you to go back at some point and listen to the other parts. You can listen to part one in episode number 143 and part two in episode number 148. And uh, and again, I encourage you to listen to all three of them. I think they'll add a lot of value to your life. Uh, But before we dive into the lesson, just a few announcements. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute and talk to you about L3 Leadership membership. I want to encourage you to become a member of L3 Leadership. The reason why I think you need to become a member is because I believe every leader needs a group of leaders to go through life with that will encourage them, hold them accountable to their goals, and help them reach their potential. At L3 Leadership, we've developed that community of leaders and they will help you do just that. And so as a member of L3 Leadership, you'll actually get access to that community of leaders. You will, you'll have the ability to join a mastermind group, which I believe is absolutely critical to your success. I think every leader needs to be in a mastermind group. And you'll get access to additional resources, extra content, and a member-only forum on our website. And it's a great way to support L3 Leadership as well. Again, it's, it's, it costs money to run podcasting and all the things that we do. And so again, it's another way to partner with us and say, I believe in what you're doing. Thank you. Membership's only $25 a month and you can sign up and learn more at l3leadership.org forward slash membership. I want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They are a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife and I actually got our engagement of wedding rings through Henny Jewelers and they're just an incredible company. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. John gave Lara and I a book to help us prepare for our marriage and he's been investing in me as a leader, a father, and a husband now for years. And I'm so grateful for that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And I want to thank our other sponsor, Alex to Landon Real Estate Resources. Alex is a full-time realtor with Keller Williams Realty, whose team is committed to providing clients with highly effective premier real estate experiences throughout the greater Pittsburgh region. He's a member and a supporter of L3 leadership and would love the opportunity to connect with you. You can find out more at pittsburghpropertyshowcase.com. And with that being said, let's jump right into the lesson, paying the price part three, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Hey, everyone, and welcome to part three of a three-part series I'm calling Paying the Price. If you weren't able to listen to part one and two, that's okay. You don't need to listen to them in order to listen to this, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. They're extremely valuable, and I think they'll help you out a lot in your journey. You can listen to part one in episode 143, and part two in episode 148, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So just to give you some context of why I'm doing this series, uh, I'm doing this series because when I was 17, I heard John Maxwell speak. And he told a story about a time that he was teaching at a conference. And in the middle of one of his um, sessions, a young man came up to him and and looked him in the eye and said, John, I want to do what you do. And John looked at me and said, what do you mean you want to do what I do? And the young man said, well, you get to stand up here in front of hundreds of people and just share with them and add value to them. And hundreds of people paid X amount of dollars to be here and listen to you. That's a pretty sweet deal. I want to do what you do. And John looked at him and he smiled and he said, son, I understand completely that you want to do what I do, but you're asking the the wrong question. The question isn't, do you want to do what I do? The question is, do you want to do what I did so you can do what I do? And he went on to talk to the young man about paying a price. And he said, the larger your dream, the higher the price, the smaller the dream, the smaller the price. Big dreams have big prices. And no matter what your dream is, you have to determine what the price is that you'll have to pay and then determine whether or not you'll pay it. And so I walked through this evolution of paying the price. And the evolution is very simple Is first, you're going to have a dream. You're going to have a dream to do something in your heart. No matter what your dream, you're going to have to discover what the price is. A great way to do that is meet people like John who want to do, who are doing what you want to do and ask them, Hey, what is the price that you paid to sit where you're sitting today? Once you discover the price, you and only you can determine whether or not you're going to pay the price. And when I was 17, I determined that I would discover the price, and I said, at all costs, I will pay the price um, to do everything that's in my heart to do. And I would encourage you to make that same decision. And why I'm teaching this lesson, obviously, I'm not John Maxwell, but uh, I was doing some Q&A with some young leaders in Florida uh, back in February. And one of the young leaders uh, asked me, said, well, Doug, what's the price you've paid? And up until that point, I never gave it much thought. I, I still feel like I'm early on in my development journey. Um, and I don't remember my response then. but it made me think, what if I reflected on this a little bit and created a lesson? And thus, we're talking about paying the price. So again, I would encourage you to go back to parts one and two to hear all the prices we've already covered. But I want to share with you a few more prices um, that I believe you have to pay if you're going to achieve your dream and everything that's in your heart. The first one I want to talk to you about today is the price of failure the price of failure. Let me just tell you this. You are going to fail and you are going to fail a lot. You're going to have things you try fail. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to have character issues that are brought into the light that you have to work on. And uh, just, just be okay and know that in life you are going to fail a lot. And that's not necessarily a bad thing as you'll see. Um, recently, I thought I'd share some uh, some recent failures of mine. I could write an entire book on all of my failures. Um, but recently, and this was just a personal failure. And, and when I when I talk about a failure, I'm talking about this is one of those moments where my heart just sunk into my stomach and I just felt sick. And I thought, oh man, I'm such a failure. I wish I could have done this and that. And uh, I'll tell you how I responded to that. But just a recent failure that I had, we recently had a nationally known speaker come in. And I will say this, that overall, uh, the event we had with him was phenomenal. The content was phenomenal. The event, the attendance, everything was great. However, I'm the leader, right? I'm responsible for the entire event. So let me tell you some things that did not go well with the event um, that I felt like uh, I failed at. First, um, it was a little difficult for the speakers to find where we were in the building. That was on me. Uh, Probably the most painful part was when the talk actually started the microphones did not work, and we checked them beforehand too and i can 't tell you how frustrated I was and there was nothing I could do. the mics just did not work uh, during the Q and a session. the projector was projecting into the speaker's face um, <laughs> that was not fun um, and then the next day, I went to upload the talk to the podcast, and I realized that the actual talk did not record now i can 't tell you. I mean, I just felt worse and worse and worse as this was going on. And then the Capitol off the night, that night, we actually took the speaker out to dinner. We had a wonderful dinner, but we came back and the the speaker had to get up very early the next morning uh, to go speak at a conference. And he wanted to be in by a certain time Well, we get back to the parking lot where his car was. And lo and behold, we were in a parking lot that was gated and the gate was locked. And so we could not get out of the parking lot. And guys, I just wanted to die. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I called the owner of the company or the parking lot. He didn't pick up. I called one of the employees and they said, I don't know what to tell you. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've locked us and the speaker in a parking lot. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Now, fortunately, that ended up working out and I won't go into details of how, but we got out of the parking lot, which was awesome. And looking back, that's kind of a funny memory. But in all of those moments, I felt so sick to to my stomach. I just wanted to crawl up to, in, in a hole and just have a pity party. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there plenty of times. Um, however, fortunately, I've failed enough that I've created a process for how I deal with, deal with failure. And that's what I want to share with you today. What do you do when you fail? What do you do when your heart just sinks in your stomach and you don't know what to do? A few things. The first thing I would encourage you to do is have a vision and a goal to develop a pattern and a reputation of handling fa- failure well. I'm telling you, leader, you want to be someone that people know when you mess up, you're going to take responsibility and you're going to handle failure well. You do not want to develop a reputation where you fail and your life falls apart and you're, you're, you just become a baby and then you become needy. I mean, you just don't want to be that person. Your goal is to develop a pattern and a reputation for handling failure well. So how do you do that? Number one, don't find your identity in the failure. Don't find your identity in the failure. You are not the worst thing you've ever done, right? You're not. Don't find your identity in failure. Failure is it's an event. It's not who you are. And, you know, one way I developed this attitude is simply, I, I the John Maxwell titled one of his books this, and I say it all the time when I fail. His book title is Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Learn. Sometimes you win, and sometimes you learn. See, it doesn't it doesn't personalize failure. And in those situations, when I had that event with a speaker, I thought, you know what? Sometimes you win, and sometimes you learn. And I had to learn a lot from this event. But I don't know about you, but I want to win all the time. But I have to recognize that I'm not perfect, I haven't arrived, and I have a ton of room for growth. And so my goal when I'm in failure is not to identify it, but to learn as many lessons as I can while I'm in the midst of it. I want to learn as many lessons as I can. So when I had that event mess, uh, all those things happened at the event, I said, okay, this is an opportunity to get better. It's an opportunity to get better. And so I started evaluating the failure, which is the second point. Evaluate your failure. Do you know, determine why you failed? Okay. The mics didn't work. Why didn't the mics work? We got locked in a parking lot. Why did that? <laughs> why did that happen? The talk did not get recorded. Why evaluate the failure and then simply create a plan of what you're going to do next time. That's different. And that's all you can do. You can't go back. You can't go back and make all those things right. But you can determine why you failed and create a plan of what you're going to do differently next time. The next thing I tell you about failure is take 100% ownership. There's a great book I'd recommend. I don't have time to go into teaching about it, but it's called Extreme Ownership. And uh, I will tell a short story. Basically, there was one guy and he was in charge of everything. And things happened to the men that he was the leader of that were that weren't necessarily his fault he wasn't around when the failure happened but at the end of the day he's the leader so he was responsible for a failure and that's the kind of that's the kind of attitude that you need to develop that you take 100% ownership of everything uh, I love that President Truman, one of the presidents, he had a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And just determine that when you fail, you're going to take 100% ownership of your failure. You're responsible. I was responsible for that event. So hey, I had to take 100% ownership of those things not working was on me. Then if, if, if it's required, I encourage you, the next step is to apologize apologize. So own the failure. Hey, I messed up and then apologize. And I love what, what, what my favorite pastor said, Keith Moore, he says this, he says, never ruin an apology with an excuse, never ruin an apology with an excuse. So in, the, in this, uh, circumstance with the event, Hey, now I, I don't, I don't think I needed to apologize to Matt, but if I were, I would just say, Hey speaker, uh, man, I messed up and I'm so sorry. I don't need to go into details of why I failed, why the mic didn't work, why the talk didn't record, why we were locked in the parking lot. I don't need to make excuses on why all that stuff happened. I just need to own it and apologize. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. And there's a real simple phrase that I like with this uh, that I follow often. It's just admit it, quit it, and forget it. Admit your failure, quit it, don't do it again, and then forget it ever happened. Forget about it. It's in the past. Again, I mentioned have a plan for what you're going to do differently next time and then actually execute that time, uh, execute that plan, execute the plan. And if you'll follow those steps that I just talked about, and I encourage you to go back through those a few times next time you fail. But if you'll do that, I promise you, that you'll build a credibility and develop a pattern that shows you're teachable and shows people you can handle failure. And I'm telling you, as a leader and someone who who leads people, I can tell you there's nothing more refreshing than someone who who owns their failure, who owns when they mess up and they say, hey, here's what I did. I'm sorry. I messed up. It won't happen again. Here's the plan for the next time. I'll execute on that. Let's go. Man, don't You you want to be that person. I'm telling you. Be the person that develops a pattern of teachability and that shows people you can handle failure correctly. I'll close this price with a quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, my greatest concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. Never be content with your failure. Always get better. The second price I want to talk to you about is the price of financial investment and stewardship. The price of financial investment and stewardship. Listen to me, investing in yourself and being a good steward with your money is absolutely critical in your, not even your leadership journey, in your life. You need to learn how to be good with your finances and you learn to, need to learn to invest in yourself. The greatest investment I believe you can make in yourself is an investment in personal growth. And not only is that the greatest investment you can make in yourself, the greatest thing you can do for other people is invest in yourself. The more you grow, the more valuable you'll become to people around you. So listen, you have to adopt an attitude that I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to, I'm going to pay whatever it costs to get the books that I need to read to, to get around the people and go to the events that I need to go to. It will pay off. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, learn to invest in yourself and it's going to cost some money, but there's no greater investment than in yourself. And the greatest thing you did for other people was invest in yourself. And listen to me, a lot of you listening to this, you're a part of an organization and you work at an organization that will invest in your growth. And there is nothing more valuable. If you are in an organization that invests in your growth, you are so lucky and fortunate and blessed. Do not take it for granted. You know, I worked at a church uh, in my early 20s. I didn't get paid a lot of money, but can I tell you what, what I did get paid? They invested a ton of resources in me. They exposed me to a ton of great leadership, of lessons, of books, of conferences, and it was absolutely priceless. I didn't look at it as I didn't get paid much. I looked at it as I was getting paid to grow. If you're blessed enough to be in a company that invests in you, please be extremely grateful and take advantage of every opportunity they give you. And again, maybe you're not at that company. Well, my question, or maybe you're not at a company that will invest in you. Well, my question is you are, are you willing to invest in yourself? What books are you going to buy this year? What meetings are you going to go to? What conferences, what local events, what organizations are you going to join so you can grow and develop? Well, you might say, well, Doug, I, I don't have any money. Well, listen, why don't you contact a leadership conference and ask the volunteer? Say, listen, I don't have money to afford, but I would love to volunteer. If you need anything, I will work. And you get to go to the conference for free. Go to the library and get books, contact an event coordinator and tell them about your situation and say, I'm desperate to learn, but I don't have money. Can you help? Learn to invest in yourself. That's the first part of handling money. Well, the second part is is stewardship. Are you willing to learn how to manage your finances well? Nothing's been more important in my, well, I shouldn't say that, but this has been one of the most important areas that I've developed in my life is learning how to steward money well. Luke 16, 13, Jesus said this, he said, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And listen, so many people are enslaved to money. So many people are enslaved to that because they don't know how to steward their money well. They never learn how to handle money and you need to put money in its place. The first thing I would encourage you to do, you know, what is start tithing. I encourage everyone here to start tithing. That's giving 10% of your income to God. Put it in an account and give money away to your, that money away to your, uh, your church, a charity, or someone in need. Put 10% of your income away. Why? This is going to help you with your attitude towards money. It'll cause you to be less greedy. This is something that I've been doing since I was 17 years old. And I've never met someone who's tithed, who's given 10% of their money away and regretted it. In fact, I've seen the exact opposite. I've seen people start to tithe and their life has started to change and they become extremely grateful. Again, I've never met anyone who's tithed and regretted it. So listen, the first thing I want to encourage you to do when it comes to stewarding your money well is give 10% of your income away. And hey, Don't even say I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. If you've never done it before, I challenge you to give 10% away for the next three months and just see what happens. Don't wait until you can afford to do it. You're never going to be able to afford to do it. Just do it and watch what happens. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, I'm telling you, when God gets behind that, you're just going to be amazed when you see what God does when you put him first in your money. And then you have to steward your money well. So you need to put money in its place. You do that by giving your money away. And then you need to steward your money well. I don't know about you, but I had no clue how to use money growing up. Absolutely none. In fact, this is funny. I remember when I graduated high school with, with a very low GPA, I got a $1,000 from my graduation from people and family and things like that. And you want to know what I did with that money? I didn't invest it. I didn't put it away. I didn't save it. I bought $1,000 worth of DVDs. That's right, baby. $1,000 in DVDs because I wanted to be cool and be that guy that had all the movies so everyone could come over and watch them. Oh my goodness. I wasted a thousand bucks on DVDs, guys. Anyway, when I was 19, a few years later, my father-in-law paid for me to go through a course called Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. It was the most eye-opening program I've ever been through. It got me laser focused on a plan of how to manage money well. And I've been following Dave Ramsey and his material now for over 12 years. And it's changed my life. My It's changed my family's life. Laura and I are death-free, except our house is a result of this program. And we're so grateful. So leaders, listen to me. If, if you are listening to this and you are not good with money, I can't encourage you enough. Look Dave Ramsey up on his podcast and let, start listening to his podcast. Go through Financial Peace University. Just Google it. And uh, there's probably tons of church and local uh, organizations that host financial peace university in your area, go through that class and meet with a financial advisor locally to help assist you. There's people that would love to teach you how to help money, but it's going to take you humility to actually learn how to do that. Check out Dave Ramsey and he'll give you his six baby steps that'll change your life. The last price I want to talk to you about is the price of being an example. The price of being an example. Listen, as a leader, you're an example, regardless of whether or not you want to be. You are an example regardless of whether or not you want to want to be. Gerald Brooks says this often. He said, long before people follow you, they're watching you. Listen, people are watching you whether you realize it or not. In fact, the bigger your platform is, the less control you have over knowing who knows you and who is watching you. The bigger your platform, the less control you have over knowing who knows you and who is watching you. And so basically, as a leader, you live in a fishbowl, as Gerald Brooks would say. You live in a fishbowl where people can view you from any area of life and people are watching you. And so the question becomes, what do you do with that? Well, what I would encourage you to do is own that responsibility of being an example. Own it. Be an example. That's why I believe it's so important to develop your character. You know, I often say the character development is the most important development. And if that's true, people always ask, well, how do you develop your character? First, you have to follow God. He is the standard. And if you're following God, your life should be coming more and more like God. And you you should be becoming a better and a better example for others. If you're following him, he'll correct you. He'll direct you. And he will take care of your character and example if you'll follow him. The second thing is you need to have let others speak into your life. Who can tell you know that you'll actually listen to who can correct you? Who can speak into your life? Do you have people like that? If you don't, I'm telling you, you will never develop the, your character as much as you could. And the third thing I would tell you to develop your character is, is determined to have higher standards than anyone else. Determine that, that you are going to have higher standards for yourself than anyone else has for you. Why? Because as a leader, you are an example. And you no longer get to think about you. Just you. Gerald Brooks says this often. And I love this quote. He said, leadership is losing the right to think about yourself. You, my pastor always says, as he said, you never, as a leader, you don't get to start sentences with, I want anymore because you don't get to think about yourself. You have to put your followers first. I thought it was interesting. I interviewed Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers recently. And I asked him, I said, my coach Tomlin, what do you, what do you wish you knew about leadership or what do you know now about leadership that you wish you knew when you started out your leadership journey? And he said, you know, as a player, I enjoyed the simplicity of not having to worry about anything other than myself. However, this job has challenged me to not only get out of that line of thinking, but to put those I serve first. And I love that. Listen, when you're not a leader, you can just think about you and you don't have to worry about how your actions and attitudes every, affect everyone else. But if you're gonna lead, you, you, you have to get out of that line of thinking, as coach put it. And you have to put those you serve first. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about serving those around you and being accountable ultimately to God. Romans 14:12 says this and says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall At the end of the day We are going to give an account for our influence for our leadership and every action that we did and every word that we spoke We are going to give an account to god for it And we are either going to say I was a great steward of the influence you got. I was the best example I became everything you called me to be or we're going to say, you know what? I didn't really take it that seriously And and I I wasn't a great example. I don't know about you, but I want to stand before God and say, I gave it all I had. And then it says, decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Decide to live in such a way. If you're going to decide that's something that you have to do intentionally. And I want to encourage you decide instead to live as though you are an example because you are uh, you know, I recently became a parent and I talk about people watching you. Well, now I have a little girl watching me named Olivia. And, uh, it's one of the most humbling things ever to realize that this girl, I'm, I'm my wife and I are her heroes. She's watching us. She's watching everything we do. And, and and the scary part is she's copying everything that we do. Why? We're examples to our children. I read a poem recently that I just love, um, that kind of talks about the example that we are to our children. I'll just read it to you quickly. It says, a careful man I want to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare go astray, for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes, whatever he sees me do he tries. Like me he says he's going to be, that little chap who follows me. He knows that I am big and fine and believes in every word of mine. The base in me he must not see, that little chap who follows me. But after all, it's easier that brighter road to climb with little hands behind me to push me all the time. And I reckon I'm a better man than what I used to be because I have this lad at home who thinks the world of me. And I don't know about you, but I want my daughter to think the world of me. I want her to know that she has a dad that, that is comfortable with taking responsibility of his influence and being an example to others. I want her to know that she's someone I can look up to and she can trust my character. Right. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Olivia, if you follow me as I follow God the best that I can. I hope that you'll follow him and I hope that you, you will have a good example. And I don't just think that way with Olivia anymore, but I think about it in, in terms of everyone I influence, everyone that I influence is watching me. I want to be a good example to. I want them to see me and say, I want to be like Doug. And hopefully that's really just saying, I just want to be a little more like God. I just want to be a little more like God. I want to be an example to those I lead. I want that responsibility and I cherish and I'm so grateful and honored that God would give me that responsibility. I'll close with encouraging you uh, when you're thinking about being an example to ask yourself this question often. I know I do. Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Best Question Ever. It's such a good book. But The Best Question Ever is simply this, and I believe it absolutely is the best question ever for leaders. He said, In light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And I hope that you ask yourself that before you do anything. What is the wise thing to do? God, what's the wise thing to do here? And I believe that, that if we'll take our responsibility as leaders and being an example, the world will be a better place. And if we'll just keep asking ourselves what the wise thing to do in every area of our lives, we'll be the example we need to be. Pay the price of being an example. So we went over three prices today. We went over the price of learning how to handle failure well. We went over the price of how to steward your money and how to actually have ownership over money versus money owning you. And we talked about the price of being an example, the price of being an example. I hope that this series added value to your life. I hope that you'll determine that no matter what, you'll pay the price to achieve your dreams. Let's go change the world. Pay the price. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to part three of my three-part series on paying the price. Uh, You can find the the actual notes that go along with the lesson in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 159. And again, if you weren't able to go back and listen to part one and two before, I encourage you to go back now and listen to those. Part one is in episode 143 and part two is in episode 148. And I really think that they'll add a lot of value to you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I know you have a lot of options, so it means the world to me. And I would just really appreciate it if you haven't already subscribed. And then if this adds value to you, please share it with your friends on social media. It really helps us grow our audience and I would just really appreciate it if you would share it. If you want to stay in touch with us and everything we're doing here at L3 Leadership, you can sign up for our email list by going to l3leadership.org, and you'll start to get updates and and more content and everything like that once you sign up. I want to thank our sponsors, BAB Inc., led by my friend Russell Livingston. They have a huge passion for developing next generation leaders, which is why they allow us to host our events at their organization's headquarters, which we love. But they are an insurance broker and do some really unique things in the insurance world. So if your organization has any insurance needs, I encourage you to check them out out at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. As always, I like to end with a quote, and I'll actually quote John Maxwell's dad, who I believe is named Melvin Maxwell. And he said this, he said, play now or pay later or pay now and play later. Either way, you're going to pay. And I just love that. Choose to pay now and you can play later. Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. My wife, Laura, and I appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you next episode.